Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Also, this evening at 5 p.m., if you, a lot of you have texted me. If you haven't, let me know. Please let me know if you're going to be at caroling so that I can try to coordinate everything as best we can. But we're going to meet at Goodall Witcher Nursing Facility at 5 p.m. So if you want to, I want you to meet us there because our very first place is we're going to go sing to the residents in the nursing facility at 5. And then from there, we're going to break into two groups and go to different locations. Um, so that's today at 5 p.m. And then afterwards, Melissa has got a hot chocolate bar set up for us over in the fellowship hall. And uh, it'll be nice and, you know, it'll be nice and chilly tonight, and we can enjoy that hot chocolate. Catherine could drink hot chocolate any time of the year. Um, And then uh, the last thing is, as Steve mentioned, we have luncheon right after church today. I I hope you come. Catherine uh, made sourdough rolls for the very first time ever. So uh, come on over and uh, try that out. Uh, Actually, they're terrible. Don't eat them. You know, you don't want them. Uh, So uh, I have... Um, I want to show you a picture of something to start off my sermon. Uh, This picture is a picture of Salado, Texas, okay? It's a a part of Salado, and uh, you know, I'm sure that picture just stirs up a lot of emotions for you. You feel really, your heart is warm. Now I'm going to show you the exact same location, okay? It's the exact same place, exact same spot, but this picture makes you feel something, right? Or it, it does for me, okay? That's four generations of my family standing at the land that my granddad bought a long time ago in Salado. That lake is a a man-made lake. It's called Lake Anne, after my my grandmother. And he, uh, that is the place where my dad proposed to my mom, where my sister got married, where I proposed to Catherine, where my aunt and uncle got married. That's the place that we go every Christmas or Thanksgiving if we're on our mom's side. So that right there, this, this is the same place, right? It's the same exact spot. But when we see this aerial shot of Salado, it means nothing to us. But when we see this picture, or for me at least, it stirs up stories. It stirs up mowing a lot of grass. It stirs up watering trees. It stirs up campfires and and getting in trouble with my cousins. And it stirs up all those emotions, okay? I'm going to do, I'm going to continue this trend. One of the things that I am going to try and propose to you is that um, we can see The exact same thing, but it doesn't connect with us until there's something tangible that we attach to. You may not be a part of this family on the screen, but you have taken pictures like that. You know the place in your story that's like that. You know your family house that you grew up at. You know that that summer camp that you went to as a kid that it's not, it may not be the same picture for you, but you can connect to it. I'm going to continue this idea. Sometimes in Bible class, something will happen where I think I have a, a slide. Okay, yeah, sometimes in Bible class, something will happen where someone asks for a prayer request of a person that I don't know. And I always feel guilty because what I often feel is my heart is sad for that person and that we need to list them. But I also know I, I also feel kind of numb because I don't know that person at all. It doesn't mean too much to me. Have you all ever experienced that before in Bible class? Someone will say, hey, please pray for my cousin, uh, John. And for you, and they'll say, my cousin John is battling this. Now, if you maybe had a loved one that battled that same thing, you feel something different than me. But for me, I just think like, okay, I'm going to write John and I'm going to pray for John. But I, I may not feel it very much, okay? You following me? 
All right, I'm going to use another example. I want you to imagine you see a headline that says 30 people, um, you know, 30 people's homes have flooded from this hurricane, or a thousand homes have been lost. And we go, oh no, that sounds tragic, but we don't necessarily feel the same way. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this picture. This is a, a New York Times article, cover photo, that says how one Houston suburb ended up in a reservoir. And you're like, oh man, that, you sitting there, you're like, Okay, that sounds sad. I know I'm supposed to think that's sad, but really you feel nothing, right? No emotions are stirred up for you. If you have good eyes and you look real close, the suburb that we're talking about, I didn't tell Colton I was going to do this. You see, do you see what it says, Colton? Canyon Gate. Canyon Gate is where Colton lives and where the church that I came here from. The New York Times did an article on the neighborhood of where Cinco Ranch Church of Christ and where Colton's house was. Colton started coming to our church because I asked his parents, Why'd y'all start coming here? And he said, well, our house is like half a mile down the road, so we thought we'd try here first. I'm like, all right, great. Now I'm going to show you another picture. This picture doesn't mean anything to you. you don't, now, if you've, if you've lost a house during a hurricane, it might stir up emotions. But that field right there in the bottom right corner, that is the field at Cinco Ranch Church of Christ. Now, that's after the waters recited some because you would not have been able to see that field. But I've stood in that intersection right there, about chest deep, looking around as people are coming on boats and kayaks to get out of these homes. Canyon Gate's the one that's just to the right, or above that field that you see. That picture doesn't stir up emotions for you, but it does for me because I have been there. I've stood right there. I know that exact spot. There, there are cops right there every single day. We would have a youth event in that field, like we'd play Ultimate Frisbee or something, and it was like a game to count how many times a cop pulled somebody over coming off that highway right there. Okay, this picture, this is a home in Canyon Gate. To y'all, if you've lived through something like this, it may stir up emotions. To Colton and I, Colton may know that exact house, and this is in a New York Times article. But I remember seeing where every day, whenever I would decide I, you know, I, I didn't have a job to go to because our church flooded. I'd go into the Canyon Gate, and I'd look for the next house that didn't look like this. If the house looked like this, then that meant some people were helping muck it out. Then if the house didn't look like that, that meant no one had mucked it out yet. And so I'm using these illustrations. I'm showing you these pictures to say all of these things are things that when you see them, your heart knows, your mind tells you, I'm supposed to feel sad, I'm supposed to feel kind of emotional about this, but you don't unless you have personally had a part in this, unless you can personally connect to this. So let me show you another news article picture, okay? This is from KWTX. Clifton Baseball falls to Beckville in 3A title game. Have people, people, y'all can connect with this, right? I don't know, but there's a chance that Hutch Kettler is in that picture, right? Where this is another news article, but Instead, this time you actually feel something because you can connect with this. This is my town. These are, this is my team. You know, Hutch, do you remember, the, or Butch, do you remember this team? Yeah. I have another picture that was in the newspaper. This is from when the girls' relay team won the state, uh, or they, they didn't win. They got, I think, third place at, at the state track meet. And, and when you see that, you think, and hopefully we think, hey, that's Caitlin. You know, she's from our church. That's part of our church family. I'm planning on next year putting a picture up that's of our band winning state, right? And all of our kids going, like, look, that's not just some random band. That's not some, that's, that's our people. Okay, so here's the point that I want to make. And it's something that I tried to figure out the words to use, but whether the words that I'm saying connect at all, I know you know what I'm talking about. 
The reason why the picture from above Salado doesn't mean anything to you is because there's nothing that you can see that makes you smell, taste, feel, live that moment. But the picture of my family standing there, for me, it brings back all those memories. It brings back the feelings that I have there. In our lives, we are shaped by real people in real places with tangible memories in real moments, okay? Why is it that whenever we have loved ones pass away, we can't throw away our father's pocket knife? We can't throw away our, our dad's watch. It's because we, we, we've seen it on their wrist. You know, we've seen the number of times they pulled it out of their pocket and used it. We feel that. Why is it we can't throw away our mom's Bible? Well, that's a different thing. You know, I, some people just can't throw away a Bible. I understand that. But like, why can we not let go of that? Why do we cherish it? Because we have the memories of walking into the living room and seeing our mom pouring over it. The reason, we, the reason we can't get rid of our mom's sewing machine is because we think of the memories of sitting there watching. Catherine was sewing some pillows yesterday. And for like three hours, Landry, Joe, and Marshall were just watching her do that. And I know that her sewing machine isn't some fancy, what are those sewing machines called that everyone collects? Singer. It is a singer, but it's like a, it's like a 2020 singer. Uh, it's not some antique looking thing that anyone's going like, to display on their mantle. But it is tangible to them. It's real. They feel it. Why is it that I, when the day comes and I'm not looking for the, that day when my grandfather dies, it's going to be a fight to get that denim jacket that he would put on every time it was cold outside to go out to work. You know, I'm going to want that denim jacket because I, I know what it feels like. It's real. It's tangible. So with that in mind, I want you to keep this thought. Our lives are shaped by real people in real places with tangible memories. Okay, so if you want to turn to the last chapter of Romans, we're going to be reading from Romans 16. And you can follow along on the screen if uh, you don't want to turn in your Bibles. We'll see how this connects. Paul is writing. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centuria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me, one of his big donors. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Oh, greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ. And my dear friend Stachus, greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristopolis. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my fr dear friend Persis, another, uh, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. We need to stow some of these names away, Catherine, for baby name ideas. Uh, greet, oh, let's see, am I still there? All right. Uh, greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and other brothers and sisters with them. Let me make sure I'm in the right spot. All right. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus. 
That's a cool name. And all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but they their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under feet, under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you. So does Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, and my fellow Jews. By the way, I don't know if you've followed along, but the key to reading these names that I'm not always good at is say it super confidently. So no matter what, whether you're right or wrong, it's, people think you're right. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, send you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother, Cordus, send you their greetings. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with, his, with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the re revelation, the apocalypse, of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Now, a lot of people would have skipped Romans 16 because the way we read the Bible is the Bible is where Paul gave us instructions for how we're supposed to live or do church. And this is a whole bunch of names and not any instructions. What am I supposed to do with this? But the reason why I think this is such a powerful message that it's telling us, the message that I don't want us to miss, well, before I get there, I do want to point out, it's very cool in my opinion, that list of names, rich people, poor people, important people, people we've never heard of except for here. Women, men, Jews, Gentiles, it's all of God's people there. Okay, the point that I want you to see here, the reason why this is worth not going, well, you know, Romans 16, well, we won't go there because it's just a whole bunch of random names that we've never heard before that don't mean anything to us. But the point is, the thing that is so amazing about this list and important is that this is a real letter, and these New Testament letters are real letters written to real people living real lives, trying their best just like you and me, to follow Christ in their daily lives, okay? I want this to sink in. This letter means nothing to you and me because we don't know these people. They're not our brothers and sisters in Christ. But just like that picture I showed you in Salado, to the people living there, to the people that Paul is writing, these names mean everything. They love these people. They care about these people. They've been through loss with these people. They've been to each other's weddings. They've brought casseroles to each other's house when they've lost a loved one. These people are real, tangible lives that Paul is writing to. And I want to—I I know I'm probably going to come back to this, but this is—we're uh, going to start next week talking a little bit about Christmas. And part of why the Christmas message is such good news is that I think often if if we ask people, if I ask every one of you. Do you believe that Christ really came? You would say, yes, I believe that. I believe he really came and really lived. But if I asked you, why does that matter? 
Why is that important? I don't know how many of us would be able to articulate that. And I think part of why it's so important is that Jesus is not just some abstract morality coach who came and gave these wise tips on living life. Jesus isn't some new mental paradigm that he hopes you'll accept. Jesus came in a real body. He was born of Mary. It was just as difficult a birth as any other. It was probably just as, as painful for Mary as any other birth. It was in a, a, a stable with real animals that really, you know, were just like every other animals. He, was, he cried as a baby. He was thirsty. And Jesus, he grew into a man. And he wasn't a man in theory or in general. He wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm just some good information. No, he was a living, breathing man who really touched people, who really healed people, who really stood beside the Mount of Olives. And I think we often, we, we look at the nativity scenes that we have in our homes, whether you've got a willow tree or a fontanini, uh, you know, nativity scene in your house, and they're so beautiful and picturesque. But it's not, that's something that I, I'm glad it looks beautiful. I'm glad it looks great decorating your, your shelf. But it's one of the things that we got to remind ourselves is, is that Jesus didn't just come like kind of like in a movie. You know, it's not some lesson or some, oh, you know, that, that's a great movie. I love that movie. I learn a lot from it. No, he really came. The nativity is a real place where real shepherds came. And where uh, I just, I think the thing that we often do with Jesus is we often do this thing where we make him very abstract. You know, well, let's apply Jesus as we can. And we forget and we lose the fact that Jesus was real. You could reach out and you could touch his sides. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a spirit. He was real. Thomas Long, this preacher, author that I really respect, theologian, he says, Because God did not raise only the idea of Jesus or the spirit of Jesus, but the body of Jesus, he didn't just raise, he didn't raise an idea of Jesus. He didn't raise a spirit of Jesus, but the body of Jesus. And because of that, what makes up the embodied stuff of our lives, our relationships, the words we have spoken, the acts of love we have done, counts, it counts eternally. So we as his disciples and followers, we need to learn this lesson of Romans 16 and more importantly, the message of Jesus. That the gospel only changes lives whenever it comes near to people and puts on realness. Let me say that again. The gospel only changes lives when it comes near to people and it puts on realness, or as the Bible likes to say, it puts on flesh. It comes incarnate. The people in Romans 16, these people are, are listed here because of their real lives that they're living and making a difference in the gospel, for the gospel, in Paul's life and in Rome. I often think about when I was at ACU, uh, one of the things that we would have to do often is, like, let's say I was in a youth ministry class, or let's say a, a a teaching spiritual formation class and they'd say I want you to write up a curriculum for what you would do for an adult class for 10 weeks okay easy project just sit down type it out look at this this looks great a plus right okay the reason why that's good I'm glad I had that training but the reason why that falls short is because the second that you are in a real congregation with real people and real problems, and real drama, and real lives, that class has to adapt and be flexible to that. When, when you're planning your perfect hypothetical class, it's real easy. But that's not real ministry. You didn't realize that you might have planned that third lesson on Deuteronomy, but the night before you had something tragic happen in your church community. Those tragic things don't happen in hypothetical ACU classes, but they do happen in real life. 
And so the, the thing that I, I want you to see is that Jesus didn't come to be your ideology, ideological coach, your, your theology and theory, philosophy professor. He came in flesh and blood to walk alongside us. Why did my Savior come to earth? Because we needed real saving. One that lets us touch His hands, one that washes our feet and dries our tears. So, this is the challenge of Romans 16 and the challenge for us. People will know Christ and the good news of Christ because you make His love real in their lives. When we as people are the ones that are willing to say, you know what? I'm not going to get you to come to know to Christ because I got you to memorize Acts. You're not going to come to know Christ because I gave you a Lee Strobel textbook that says case for Christ. You're not going to come to know Christ because I said, here, repent, believe, or here, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. That's, that's, a, that's a strategy. Ministry doesn't happen in strategies. Ministry happens in real neighborhoods when you walk across the street and shake people's hands. And, and Jesus showed us this because God didn't just go, you know what, I'm just going to send some good news down there. What did He send? A real Savior, God in flesh, so that they could see us tangibly, so that we could see and feel and touch what God and His love look like. So in the spirit of Romans 16, I've written something that I hope uh, will help you connect with my point of Romans 16 a little better. The reason why this passage to us just doesn't, mean a whole lot. I'm going to try and do my best to make it mean something to you, okay? Greet Charles and Anna Marie, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They have helped this church through many seasons. Not only this community, but the whole town is grateful to them. Greet also the ladies' Bible class that meets on Wednesdays. Greet my dear friend Joe Anderson, who has a gift for buying people gifts and sharing a kind smile. Greet Brent, who works very hard behind the scenes in many ways. Greet Sam and Terry Wells, my fellow airport neighborhood neighbors. They are outstanding at opening their home for all sorts of church activities and functions, and they have been doing it for many years. Greet Jim Paltjohn, even though he is an Eagles fan. <laughs> Greet Janet Birch, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Brenda Cosper. Greet Butch, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Wayne Gloff. Greet Celia and Floyd, that couple who works hard in the Lord. I could have kept going. I looked over the whole church roster to see how realistic it would be to do one for every single one of you and decided not to. But why did that feel different? Why did that feel different? It felt different because we know those people. We love those people. Those people are a real part of our lives. Romans 16, I just did exactly the same thing. I took people from that church. And when we read it, you're like, Typhius and Tepharius and Apostolicus. You know, you're like, okay, what is this? But here, these are people that prove to us this message. This, this is what Romans 16 is about. It's not just something where Paul sat down and thought, I'm going to write down my theology of God. He said, I've got real people, and I need to write to real people doing real ministry and send them a message. We are real people living in a real place, Clifton, Texas, 76634-203 South Avenue G. We are in a real place, trying our best to bring the gospel to real lives. Because we know and care for these real people who have made a real difference in our lives, when God wanted us to know His love and enter into His love, He sent a Savior to be in people's lives. If we want to share that message, we must go live with our whole self among our neighbors and introduce them to the realness 
of Jesus Christ and God's love. If any of you would like to know more about that, I'd encourage you to, to talk to any of us here. If any of you have any prayer requests that you, you would like us to pray for you, I'd encourage you to come. Elders will be standing at the doors while we stand and while we sing this song.